You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. a short passage that has stuck out to me recently here in uh, Luke. And we've been going on a series in Luke, and today we're going to find ourselves in Luke 17, verses 20. We're going to start there. But Jesus has been having a conversation uh, with uh, all kinds of religious leaders and other people are at the table. And in this particular one, the Pharisees ask a question. And we get a response from Jesus in classic Jesus style. We're like, okay, what exactly did that mean? Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Again, classic Jesus style of like, that was deep, so deep, I'm not really sure what that meant, right? Let's hear it again. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. I feel like this is an important passage for a lot of Americans to hear these days because this is not the way that we have taught the kingdom of God, especially in a world that has preached a lot of Christendom or Christian nationalism, uh, this idea that like we have to install the kingdom of God straight into our politics. We have to elect Christians into those spaces, and we've got to find uh, some kind of Messiah figure to take the throne in America. That's often the ways that we think of the kingdom of God, which honestly is not that far off from the ways that Jesus' own disciples would have thought. Because they thought they were coming violently to take over politics, that they were going to move their way up in society all the way to the top and sit on the throne and then just overthrow everyone under them. So it must have been confusing for them, too, when they're like, the kingdom of God, Jesus is speaking about his, his favorite theme, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. It's, it's the same idea. It's not some place you go when you die. It's some place on a moving truck where God reigns that's making its way to the earth. And so they're thinking, yeah, the way God's going to make his way to the earth is Jesus, the Messiah, is going to become king, and we're going we're gonna to just rule. So when Jesus gets up to talk about that place that's coming to earth, that kingship, that reign, he must have messed the disciples up. The kingdom of God, you know, he's speaking to the Pharisees, but his disciples are probably like, oh yeah, here we go. The kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor can somebody look and say, here it is, right here, or there, over there. Man, if that was not the pandemic. The kingdom of God is coming. It's right there. I see it in all these different conspiracies. It's all over the place. And Jesus comes and tells us something different. It can't be observed. No pointing these things out. Where is it then? It's in the midst of you. 
God's heavenly world, God's place where he reigns, is in the midst of you. I think there's two ways in which you could actually interpret that passage. One is an internal in the midst of you. The Holy Spirit has come and filled all Christians, and therefore, we have become kind of like sacred space for God to dwell. In fact, when I say kind of, I actually mean it literally. Like in the Old Testament, God's sacred place to dwell shifted from a few different places. It used to be in the Garden of Eden, and then when humans were kicked out of that for their sin, God recreated something like the Garden of Eden in a place called the Tabernacle. And if you pay close attention to the way that they built the Tabernacle, the scripture echoes a bunch of verses about how Eden was created. So this is like the new Eden. God's got, he's the first mobile church. You pick it up, you move, you put it down, you start somewhere else, you pick it up, you move, you start down. Wherever Israel went, God's presence went with them. And then that changed to become a permanent setting eventually in the temple, Solomon's temple, where they built a permanent structure that God's presence then filled. But in the New Testament, God's presence fills Jesus. And then as Jesus ascends into heaven, he sends the same presence that filled Eden, the same presence that filled the tabernacle, the temple, Jesus, to fill you as Christians. Therefore, you are sacred space. The kingdom of heaven is in the midst of you. And therefore, as a Christian, you take on a different identity. The Bible calls you citizens of heaven. You have double citizenship. Yeah, you might live here on the earth in Jackson, in America. But your real citizenship is in heaven, lived out in the midst of you. The Bible calls you ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors are the ones trying to make arrangements to bring other people into other kingdoms. That's you. The kingdom of heaven where you live as a citizen is the place where people can get into heaven by approaching you and hearing the gospel and allowing the spirit to work out of you into them. The kingdom of heaven is in the midst of you. And that's why you'll occasionally come in contact with very earthly things like sickness And the kingdom of heaven that's in the midst of you might burst out of you as you pray for someone who's sick, and they might be healed. Because in the coming kingdom of heaven, when one day all of earth is overwhelmed and the two meet like a sloppy wet kiss and a procreation of this new heavenly earth is created, people make fun of that song, but it's actually very rich theology. As the new heaven and new earth are interweaved together, there will be no more sickness. Because there's no sickness in heaven. And since heaven is in the midst of you, as you pray for people, heaven might burst out and the Spirit might heal them. Because they have come in contact with sacred space inside of you. You might approach a person and suddenly the Spirit might fill your mind with a word for them. And heaven might burst out of you into them. And they might find themselves overcome. As Paul says, you prophesy over them, they might might fall to their face and worship God because you've shown them the secrets of their heart. The heaven is in the midst of you. So even your thoughts can become like the Holy Spirit's thoughts. 
and reach the people around you. And you can go on and on with all different kinds of spiritual gifts here. That when the Spirit fills you up with spiritual gifts, heaven begins to be installed around you. We were at Spare Um a few nights ago, and there was a song that I just started singing in tongues. And I found that it wasn't my usual tongues. Like, I know if you're not used to the conversation about tongues, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but you kind of develop a, a usual sense of the kind of words that are going to come. This one was not that. It felt entirely different. And someone else in the room heard the whole thing in English. They didn't even realize I was singing in tongues. Like, I imagine that must have been like a... <laughs> Like looking at an old Western movie, you look up and realize the lip syncing's off or something. I don't know how that works. Must have looked really bizarre from their angle. But in that moment, the kingdom of heaven that was in the midst of me and the same Holy Spirit kingdom of heaven in the midst of them were interconnecting in a, a very special way in which I didn't know the words I was praying and someone else knew the words I was praying. And we were able to dialogue about the different kinds of things that I was praying the kingdom of heaven is in the midst of you. And you never know what that's going to do. And when we live in spaces that we, we only embrace the earthly mindedness of ourselves, we miss the kinds of ways in which God works. We miss the ways in which God could work. Oftentimes when we're not aware of how spiritual gifts work, we, we castrate the ability of Kev, Kevin, <laughs> of heaven. That is a classic, I don't know if you've ever watched Worship Fails, I've watched so many, I, I just am like on the ground laughing. My favorite is, there's one where it's like, and Kevin came to live with me. <laughs> and you see the guy like, oh, no, what did I just say? It's not the only time. Kevin has been used like three times. I was like, I would never do that. I totally just did it. It happens. It's real. The kingdom of heaven is what I meant to say. Uh, when it's in the midst of you and you learn how it works, it has the capacity to do so much more. A lot of people don't prophesy because they don't know what prophecy is. A lot of people don't heal because they, they've never really spent a lot of time praying for healing. Or the times where they've done it, they haven't seen it, so they've given up. Some people don't speak in tongues because they just have been afraid of how to step into that. When you give the kingdom of heaven the space to work in the midst of you, it begins to burst out in new ways. We just had Reveal a week ago. It seems so long ago already. We had it a week ago, and at the end of the night, we were just sharing testimonies. We all moved to the front room, and for like 40 minutes straight, people just talked about the ways in which the Spirit moved in their hearts. People then uh, kept texting me the next three days with stories of how God was continuing to work in them or the different kinds of things that they were facing since that night. Like, God was at work. The kingdom of heaven was at work. And it disrupted the kingdom of this world in the spiritual. We also saw lots of spiritual attacks come on people because of that night. And that was because heaven in the midst of us began to burst out and disrupt the world around us. But it became to burst out and heal us and grow us. You cannot say, look, there it is or over here because it's in the midst of you. 
And how often we wish it was more. How often I wish I had the testimony where I sang in tongues and someone in the room understood it. Something that feels more observable. But those moments often tend to be so internal. Even with some people, if I shared that story, they just say, oh, well, someone underwent a psychosis and just heard a bunch of stuff. Like, oftentimes the kingdom of God is not so manifest that people can't overcome it with some kind of psychological explanation. At some point, the kingdom of heaven, even when it is observed, we have to have faith. I've seen it many times when I've cast out demons, people come back and they're like, oh, I just have multiple personality. So, okay, well, your multiple personalities were very rude to me and cursed a whole lot. <laughs> And they certainly hated Jesus for some weird reason. Even when we observe heaven in the midst of us, we can always water it down into something else or explain it away. Jesus knew this. Actually, he just shared a parable right before this passage where he talks about a guy named Lazarus. Not the guy who died and was raised, but a guy named Lazarus who uh, went to heaven and this other rich man found himself in Hades. And the rich man who was in Hades said, Jesus, would you send someone, raise them from the dead, pull them out of Hades, and send them back to earth to tell my family that this place is real so that they'll, they'll change their minds. And you know what Jesus says? Look, if they didn't believe Abraham, if they didn't believe the prophets, neither will they believe someone who's been raised from the dead. If Jesus did the kingdom of God thing to raise a person from the dead and send them back to earth, people would still find some way to water that down. Isn't that crazy? But Jesus knew, like, look, if they won't believe the law or the prophets, it doesn't matter how crazy the miracle is. People will always find a way to get around it. Oh, maybe he wasn't really dead. Or our lore believes that the spirit hangs around the body for a bit. Maybe they came back or... I don't know, some kind of strange CPR type thing. Like, we can always find excuses. So at some point, we have to calm down, learn how the kingdom of heaven works, have some faith, and understand it's in the midst of us. Because in those moments, we give the space for the Spirit to work. So that's, that's one way in which I believe the Spirit is in the midst of you, personally. You are sacred space. In a world full of darkness, you are the light of the world. That's not blasphemy. Jesus was called the light of the world, but he also called you the light of the world. You are like Jesus in this dark atmosphere. The other way that the kingdom of, kingdom of heaven is in the midst of you, though, I think is when you start to do the kinds of things that God wants. When you do ministry, when you build things on the earth in the name of Jesus and the kinds of things that he cares about, I believe you're installing the kingdom of heaven. And part of the reason I think this is because the Bible talks about the day of the Lord is a day when God comes to shake the earth. So heaven and earth are getting ready to meet like a sloppy wet kiss, getting ready to kind of intermingle together to create something new, a heaven and an earth that, that like have DNA from both sides, if you will, creating something that is different. That world that is to come is described as um, a divine shaking, both in the supernatural and in the natural. That divine beings that are corrupt and human beings who are corrupt, when the day of the Lord comes and everything's shaken, everything that belongs with corruption will fall apart and be completely destroyed. 
because it has no place in the new creation. The Bible also uses language to say that the things that we have done as Christians, the things that we have built up for heaven, as everything's shaken, those things won't fall over. Those things will stay strong as though they will continue on into the new creation. I know when we think of new creation, we're always thinking like somehow we're going to return to medieval times. You know, like <laughs> there's going to be castles and there's going to be horses and there's only going to be like these kinds of things. We want to have technology or whatever. But that was the world that ancient people could envision because that was their technology. When God shakes things, imagine everything that you know about the world now, but the good stuff that we've built carrying on into that new world. Maybe you can choose between a Mustang and a Mustang. You can ride a horse or a car. I don't know. But whatever that case is, whatever that new world is, a Mustang's a horse, right? Okay, great. <laughs> I know so much about cars or horses. Um, in that new world, the kinds of things that we have built up for Christ, imagine it carrying on. Imagine 1208 Greenwood right here, this building. It used to be a radio factory. It used to be a grocery store. The kinds of things that it was built on in the past maybe didn't carry a whole lot of weight into the new creation. But maybe we have come and we've redeemed this space. Maybe in a sense we have given this place holy Christian purpose. Maybe in the new world... God will reappoint me as a pastor back in this space. As we continue to grow in God's presence and get to know him. Even though he is right there with us in the new creation. See, when you start thinking about the things that you're doing today in that kind of light, suddenly the kind of stuff that you do, like, it matters. Christians have often been taught that, like, material stuff, physical stuff, earthly stuff, like, who cares? It's all just going to burn away. But if the idea is more that everything that's wrong with the world will burn away and the good stuff will stay strong through it, then the physical kinds of impact that we have on creation in the here and now and through our ministries, like that, that carries some weight, I think, into that new world. And then ultimately, it doesn't matter if this building's existing in the new world or not, right? No one's going to care. In fact, I'm hoping God will do some wall repair in a few spots. But as we move into the new creation and we come to that place, just imagine. Imagine Jesus walking the streets of Jackson with you and saying, right here was in Jackson as it is in heaven. Tell the angels we don't need to tear this one down. <laughs> Over here is in Jackson as it is in heaven. See how you helped this poor homeless person right here? That was heavenly. We're going to take that into account. Over here, this business that you constructed, like you wanted to put a grocery store right in the midst of a food desert, this was in Jackson as it is in heaven. Let's do something new here and fresh with uh, the finest produce that we have. Whatever that case is, like I know we're just like daydreaming about the world that is to come, but Jesus in this passage, he comes and he, he tells us, like the kingdom of heaven is not something that can be served among you, you don't say, look, here it is. You don't say it's over there. You don't say it's Trump is our Messiah. You don't say that this particular political agenda is the one that's going to make heaven work. You don't, you don't look at some kind of fear or anxiety that's going around the world and you think like, oh, it's finally here. It's getting so dark that everything's about to fall apart. 
You know, Jesus actually, as he goes on, just kind of defeats that thinking altogether. He says to his disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the sons of man, and you will not see it. And they will say, look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side or the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. <laughs> I love the extents to which Jesus goes to say, don't get caught up in all that look thinking. Here it is kind of thinking. And he goes so far as to say like, hey, everybody sees the lightning. Everybody hears the thunder. Like you don't, you don't miss that. That's what it's going to be like when I come back. So before you get caught up in like, this must be it. Jesus is like, you're going to see me like coming down out of heaven on a cloud. You're going you're gonna to be able to discern what's going on when that time comes. So as the world continues to throw at us its conspiracies, continues to throw at us all kinds of different thinking and agendas and politics and all this like it is your job to figure out what heaven looks like through the teachings of Jesus and allow it to be absorbed into you and poured out of you both in a spiritual internal kind of way but also in a physical building up kind of way the kingdom of heaven is here already it is being built already not in ways that are always observed, and even when I think you can't observe it, you still question it. But when you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and his plans, you begin to build new creation right here, right now. So Jesus, we all come to this building this morning with different jobs, different communities, different neighbors, different ways of thinking. And uh, we all come communally subject ourselves to you we've taken your uh, presence this morning we've taken of your body and your blood and as we partake of that we want it to be internalized to conform us to your body and blood that when people run into us they might say I think that's what Jesus looks like that as we listen to your spirit you might pour out of us because your kingdom is in the midst of us that as we build up the kind of world that you hope and desire in the kind of world that does not want heaven in its midst, may we look at the kinds of things that we're doing and say, these are holy efforts. And those aren't always ministerial efforts. We don't always have to religiousize everything. There are perhaps secular efforts in which we can pour the kingdom of heaven into. Because you are a God who reigns over culture. And your world can be grown up in those special kinds of ways, right in the midst of us. As we pour out artistic endeavors, that we might make movies, music, that carries on into heaven. That we might serve those around us. Perhaps there will be no more uh, need for orphanages in heaven. And yet, creating an orphanage is such a, a kingdom of heaven-minded thing that you might say, this is great. What can we use this structure for? How can it serve those who were orphans on the earth before? God, we want to step into your new creation. We know it's coming here now. And we know that 
what we do right now matters to, to bring that closer. So we yield ourselves to you. And we ask that you would do that. In Jesus' name, amen.